<laughs> Why, hello there, uh, gang. How are you, Charlie Bowman? Uh, hello there, Why, Will. hello, hello, Wilson. All right, all right. Now, listen, what are you boys doing up here in the woods like this? Well, I'll tell you, we're making a little liquor and drinking a little liquor and selling a little liquor along. <laughs> you got something here smells mighty good. What is that? Oh, that's you smelling so loud. Yeah, what oh, is it? Well, that's tater brandy. Well, can I taste it? Can you taste it? Yeah. Well, sure you can. Just wait till I get you a quart here. And... All right, boy. My, but he takes well, a big one, don't he? That's good, though. That's good. Oh, you like it. I well, listen, you like who it. is that little runt over there with his bang around his neck? Oh, that little runt on the stump over yeah. there? Well, that's my brother, Walter Bowman. It is. Yeah. Right. How'd it do? Hello there, well, well, Charlie, you still play the fiddle, do oh, you? Oh, sure, I hang to the old fiddle. Well, you know. you know, since you boys got all the instruments up here, why, I play a guitar. Let's have a little tune. Oh, you play the guitar? Yeah. Well, get that guitar sitting in that tree all there, right. and we'll have a little tune. All right, here you go. What's going to be the first thing we'll Oh, play? the first number? Let me see. Uh, the first tune is an old tune called Money in Both Pockets. Go something like this. Let it go. That sounds good. All right, get right, boys. What do you say? Let it go. <laughs> The advertisement in the Johnson City Chronicle read, Can you sing or play old-time music? Actual tryout for the purpose of making Columbia Records. The auditions were part of a search for native Appalachian Blue Ridge Mountain music talent. Frank Buckley Walker was a pioneer, as was Ralph Peer for Victor Records, in the art of remote recording which was deemed more effective than bringing musicians to New York or larger northern cities to record. They thought the unsophisticated amateurs would perform more comfortably in their accustomed surroundings. Considered by music scholars as important recordings of early country music that influenced a whole generation of revivalist folk musicians of the 1950s and 60s, including people like Bob Dylan, Joan Baez, and Doc Watson. There was the Johnson City Sessions. Welcome to Dead Wax 78s. I'm your host, Sean, and this is the podcast, you know, that we're going to talk about all that old-timey music stuff. Today's episode is called The Johnson City Sessions. The Johnson City Sessions are an important part of the musical heritage of East Tennessee and played an important role in the early development of what we now consider country music. Frank Walker, who led the Hillbilly Recording Division of Columbia, set up shop in Johnson City between 1928 and 1929. He was auditioning and recording a wide variety of local talent. Some hundred songs and tunes are regarded by scholars and record collectors as a strong and distinctive cross-section of old-time Appalachian music just before the Great Depression. The First Auditions On Saturday, October 13, 1928, Walker auditioned musicians with the recording session scheduled for the following week at a makeshift studio at the uh, Branding Marshall Lumber Company in Johnson City. Amateur musicians brought their fiddles, banjos, guitars, and voices to Johnson City to display their talent for Walker. Known as the Big Bang of country music, 
the Bristol Sessions by Victor is widely regarded as some of the first recordings of country music. So the Johnson City Sessions was an effort by Columbia to come to the same basic neck of the woods trying to recreate the Bristol Sessions and see if maybe lightning might strike twice in the same general area. Though the Johnson Sessions were not as well known as the counterpart from Bristol, there were hit records that came out of the 1928 Sessions. These hit records were by Columbia and Walker came back to the city in 1929. So Columbia Records recorded some of the most influential records ever recorded anywhere. The popular recordings such as uh, Roll On Buddy, A Bluegrass Standard by Charlie Bowman and his brothers and the Johnson City Blues by Clarence Green highlighted the 1928 sessions. So the second audition, when he returned to Johnson City in October 1929, Walker auditioned a second group but the problem was, the week of the recording sessions in 1929 coincided with the Great Depression. The last days of the Johnson City sessions was the first day of the Wall Street crash, which doomed sales. Here's part one, Fiddling Charlie Bowman, Roll On Buddy. Just the same 
I've got a good woman just the same. Woman just the same, Fanny Bowman is her name. I've got a good woman just the same. Roll on, buddy, roll on. Roll on, buddy, roll on. You wouldn't roll so slow if you what I know. Roll on, buddy, roll on. In the 1920s, an outdoor event frequently occurred on Saturday nights along the east side of Fountain Square. After the merchants closed and locked their stores on Saturday night, the locals would begin filtering in from miles around to play their music, drawing huge crowds of appreciative spectators. These musicians spanned the talent range from the most experienced celebrities, such as the Bowman family, to the least skilled but all were equally welcome to participate. Other venues included the Johnson City Municipal Building Auditorium and, and of course, the Appalachian Fair. Street musicians performed daily, including legendary blues guitarist Blind Lemon Jefferson, who lived for a period of time in Johnson City, playing music for tips on street corners in the early 1920s. But on October 13, 1928, the Branding Marshall Lumber Company's business office at 334 East Main Street became the scene of a mob of local musicians, each auditioning for a potential record contract with Columbia. A slender, middle-aged man with a straggly beard listened intently as each individual or group played music in hopes of being invited back that same week for a recording session in their rented temporary makeshift studio. Now Walker, who was the head of the Hillbilly Recording Division at Columbia, was known by Johnson folks as simply as Uncle Fuzz. He acquired his unusual nickname by always growing a beard before making the audition trips, perhaps believing that he could better relate with the people he was recording. Walker had learned from Ralph Peer that the best way to capture the true nature of these musicians was to record them in their natural environment. Historians would later tag this pioneer effort at the Johnson City Sessions, and stars of these sessions included Charlie Bowman, Clarence Green, and Rowan County Ramblers, and Clarence Tom Ashley. Here's part two, The Bentley Boys, Down on Penny's Farm. May make you mad, but I mean no harm It's just about the renters on Penny's Farm It's the hard times in the country Out on Penny's Farm You move out on Penny's Farm Plant a little crop of bagger and a little crop of corn Come around to see you gonna flit and flood Till you get yourself a mortgage on everything you got It's the hard times in the country Out on Penny's Farm Enjoy 
Lord Penny got a flattery mouth. Move you to the country in a little log house. Got no windows but the cracks in the wall. He'll work you all with some and rob you in the fall. It's a hard times in the country. Out on Penny's farm. You go in the field, you'll work all day. Wave tonight, but you get no pay. Promise to meet all little bucket large. It's hard to be a runner on Penny's farm. It's hard times in the country. Out on Penny's farm. Yeah, George Penny, he'll come into town With a wagon load of peaches, not a one of them in sound Got to have his money or somebody's check Pay him for a bushel and you don't get a peck It's a hard times in the country Out on Penny's farm George Penny Reynolds, they'll come into town With their hands in the pockets and their head hanging down Go in the store and the merchant will say Your mortgage is due and I'm looking for my pay It's a hard times in the country Out on Penny's farm In his pocket with a trembling hand Can't pay all but I'll pay you what I can Then to the telephone the merchant make a call He'll put you on chain gang Don't pay it all It's hard times in the country Out on Penny's farm For as long as people can remember, or from the family history, the Bowmans have lived within a radius of less than 50 miles of the place where Fiddling Charlie had his own old-fashioned house. It is old-fashioned only so far as being a log house, because it has a lot of modern conveniences that were brought in by the bow of its master. He plied his trade as a painter and tilled his garden when he wasn't off somewhere winning fiddle contests or playing for dances. Bowman was born July 30th, 1889 in Gray Station, Tennessee, a small community approximately 10 miles north of Johnson City. He first learned to play banjo at the age of 12 and purchased his first fiddle for $4.50 shortly thereafter. According to family tradition, Bowman actually made his first recording on the neighbor's Edison cylinder phonograph in 1908. In his teen years, he and his brothers collected pocket change by playing at square dances and other local events around Washington County. So in October 1928, Bowman and several family members made several recordings at the Johnson Sessions. The following year, Columbia invited Bowman to New York where he and his brother Walter, who played banjo, recorded Fork Deer and Moonshiner and his money. Then around 1930, Bowman and several family members joined the vaudeville group, the Blue Ridge Ramblers, with whom they toured the Alos vaudeville circuit until about 1935. Here's part three, Clarence Tom Ashley with Gwen Foster, Rising Sun.
Clarence Tom Ashley was a performer, an artist, and showman who spent 30 years traveling with the Medicine Show, where he played clawhammer banjo, sang, and performed. His grandfather bought him a banjo when he was eight years old, and his mother and his aunt taught him to play traditional Appalachian folk songs and ballads. He learned a number of songs and techniques from lumberjacks and railroad workers lodging at his grandfather's boarding house. In 1911, during the medicine show days, that that young fiddler named Roy Acuff was hired to work with Ashley. Now, Ashley was 36 years old and was paid $35 a week, and Acuff was 27 years old and he was paid $20 a week. The two of them worked together for two years and became lifelong friends. Now, Walker auditioned Ashley to make his first solo recordings, as well as to record with a trio called the Bird Moore and his hot shots at the Johnson City Sessions. During the early 1930s, Ashley again recorded with the Blue Ridge Entertainers, this time for the American Record Corporation. The final recordings from his uh, early era were a series of duets with harmonica player Gwen Foster in 1933. Some of Ashley's early recordings, such as House of the Rising Sun, and the Greenback Dollar were later recorded by Acuff. Ashley became famous in his own right during the late 1920s when he recorded The Cuckoo Bird, considered by music scholars 
as an important recording of early country music. Here's part four, Clarence Tom Ashley, Cuckoo Bird. Gonna build me log cabin on a mountain so high so I can see Willie as he goes on by. Now, Frank went on to discover more artists, including country singer Hank Williams and blues singer Bessie Smith, and also the banjoist Samantha Bumgarner. But he will always be known for running the Johnson City Sessions in 1928 and 29, which launched the careers of lots of artists. And in 1923, Walker became the head of A&R for Columbia Records and then RCA Records. His career as a talent agent lasted for over 40 years until his death in 1963. The Johnson City Sessions were one of several significant location recording sessions conducted by commercial recording companies in the Appalachia during the 20s and the 30s. But the Johnson City ones were unique. 
They documented a broad sweep of Appalachian song and tune repertoire, from the traditional to the contemporary, from the familiar to the obscure, and from the serious to the silly. While some of the recordings made in Johnson City were in the country music mainstream, other recordings stood out as truly unusual, anticipating future direction for as yet unborn music genres such as bluegrass, revivalist folk, and rock and roll. I guess we could say Americana. And looking back at those sessions, one can't help but wonder if country music might have taken a different course had the Great Depression not obliterated the distribution and potential influence of those truth-telling Johnson City recordings. People in the 1930s depended on art, and in particular music, to guide them out of the Depression. Thank you for listening. This is Deadwax 78 and I'm your host, Sean. And you know what? I'll catch you on the flip side. Oh,